to choose brought to you by just as i am ministries a nonprofit that gives hope to people that were caught in the devastation of addiction or overrun by emotions in this series learn how to identify feelings what motivates actions and find biblically based solutions to manage emotions rich and susan collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom 15 years ago from their out of control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism now Here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom for Those You Love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. Well, Susan, what's up for today? Today, we're going to be talking about our diagnosis and our remedy for our condition. We have a condition. We do. We all have a condition. Okay. Would you please open today's program with a word of prayer? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you that uh, we have this day to come to you and to learn from you. We pray that you will help us all to recognize the, the condition of our hearts and our minds and to recognize what the remedy is and, and who has it. And uh, we're just grateful that um, you are concerned and you care for us each in, each in an individual way. And we're very thankful for that. And we we're, um, please lead us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, this is from a CNN in an article on health entitled Five Commonly Misdiagnosed Diseases by Ellen, oh, I'm sorry, Elizabeth Cohen, CNN. Um, the celebrity was John Ritter. The actor died in 2003 of an aortic dissection, a tearing of the major artery that comes out of the heart. His widow later settled a wrongful death lawsuit against a California hospital alleging his condition had been misdiagnosed at least twice. Experts who study malpractice cases and autopsy reports say certain diseases are misdiagnosed over and over again. So the five, we're, we're going to look at the five um, most misdiagnosed diseases. I'm going to do it for a reason. And so uh, the first one, aortic dissection, sometimes aortic dissections are easily easy to diagnose. A, a patient feels a distinct tearing sensation in his or her chest, but other times they're pretty easy to miss because the symptom, symptoms could point to other diseases, says Dr. Robert Bono, past president of the American Heart Association. Sometimes it feels like heartburn, he says. Number two, cancer. In a Harvard study of malpractice claims in the U.S., cancer was far and away the most misdiagnosed illness, primarily breast and colorectal cancer. Study authors attributed this to doctors failing to stick to cancer screening guidelines. Three, clogged arteries. Sometimes doctors tell patients they're short of breath because they're out of shape when it's actually coronary artery disease, says Bono, who's also the chief of cardiology at Northwestern Medical School. Number four, heart attack. Sound strange? How could a doctor miss a heart attack? Bono says the big obvious heart attack, the one where someone clutches his or her chest and falls to the floor, the one Bono calls the Hollywood heart attack, isn't always so clear. And number five, infection. In the Harvard study, infection followed cancer as the most misdiagnosed condition. Now let's go back to what Dr. Bono says once again about an aortic dissection. 
Sometimes aortic dissections are pretty easy to miss because the symptoms could point to other diseases. Sometimes it feels like heartburn. The point is, if someone has an aortic dissection, all the heartburn medication in the world will not help him. That's right. And from an article in the New York Times in February 22, 2006, why doctors get why doctors so often get it wrong by David Lennonhart, he wrote, Joseph Brito, a former intensive care doctor, likes to compare medicine's attitude towards mistake with airline industries. At the insistence of pilots who have the ultimate incentive not to mess up, airlines have studied their errors and nearly eliminated crashes. Unlike pilots, Dr. Brito said, doctors don't go down with their planes. Dr. Brito was working at a London hospital in 1999 when doctors diagnosed chickenpox in a little, little girl named Isabella Maud. Only when her organs began shutting down did her doctors realize that she had a potentially fatal flesh-eating infection. Isabel's father, Jason, was so shaken by the experience that he quit his finance job and founded a company named after his daughter, who is a healthy 10-year-old today, to fight misdiagnoses. With all the tools available to modern medicine, the blood tests and MRIs and endoscopes, you might think that misdiagnosis has become a rare thing, but you would be wrong. Studies of autopsies have shown that doctors seriously misdiagnose fatal illnesses about 20% of the time. So millions of patients are being treated for the wrong disease. Now, why are we talking about all this? And that's a down on doc. We're not down on doctors. No, we no. love doctors. <laughs> we love doctors. <laughs> yes. Uh, but what we're taught, the key phrase in the whole thing, the conclusionary phrase, if conclusionary is a word, uh-huh. is millions of patients are being treated for the wrong disease. See, with all the tools available to, to us, how do we continue to misdiagnose our problem? Well, what is our problem? If everybody is everybody's problem different? Or do we all have the same problem? What is the proper diagnosis? And here's the key. If we misdiagnose, will we come up with the wrong remedy? Mm-hmm. Where should we go for our diagnosis? In Jeremiah 17:9, the Bible says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You see, because a lot of times when we diagnose ourselves... Well, the Bible basically in this verse is telling us not to because our heart is desperately wicked. Correct. Right? And so a lot of times we'll diagnose ourselves and say, you know what, I'm spiritually okay. I'm on the highway to heaven. I've got my get out of jail free card. Uh, And that can be deceptive because we have issues. We do. And the book of John, specifically in chapter 3, the story um, John tells us the story Right. Remember about Nicodemus? How he came to Jesus at, at night? He wanted right. to talk to him. He knew Jesus had some valuable information. He knew there was something special about Jesus. Right. And uh, Nicodemus um, said, he came to him and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. 
so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Wow. You know, that word there, teacher, in the Greek is the same as doctor or instructor, teacher. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're teaching, but you don't understand these. In other words, Nicodemus, you have misdiagnosed your problem. Now, how did he do it? Remember Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And every time we try to diagnose ourselves, we're going to get it wrong. And the point is, once again, if we come up with the wrong diagnosis, we will come up with the wrong remedy. Exactly. And in Ezekiel thirty six twenty six, the Bible says, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony flesh out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. That's the key. See, when Jesus speaks of the new heart, he means the mind, the life, the whole being. To have a change of heart is to withdraw the affections from the world and fasten them upon Christ. To have a new heart is to have a new mind, new purposes, new motives. What's the sign of a new heart? A changed life. There's a daily, hourly dying to selfishness and pride. Now, I want to read Jeremiah 17 again in the English Standard Version because uh, we're going to catch it. In Jeremiah 17, 5, it talks about, um, well, let's just read it. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They trusted in themselves. Remember the, the, the Pharisee that went and pounded his chest at worship and said, thank the Lord, I'm not like this man. I pay tithe. I do this. I do that. And I think sometimes, you know, I too can fall into sure. that trap of saying, you know, I'm, I'm not the way I used to be. Look at how good I've, I've, I've come from. And, and at least I'm not like that anymore. Right. But we as Christians can trust in man. We can right. trust in ourselves and not in the Lord. So in 17.5, he says, cursed is a man who trucks, trusts in man whose heart turns away from the Lord. But then in 17.7, he says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. And then in 17.9, get this, it says, this translation says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately, what's that word? Sick. Sick. Who can understand it? Our problem is we don't know how sick we are. Right. See, did Nicodemus go to church? He did. Did he worship God? Mm -hmm. Did he pay tithe? Did he study his Bible? Did he go to prayer meeting? Was his home nice and neat like a Christian's home should be? Sure. Was he blessed with great wealth? Yes. See, he on the outside, it was he was running on all eight cylinders. The problem was Jesus said, you've got a problem inside. Right. You've got a problem inside. And his problem was he was diagnosing himself. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until the same thing happened to King David, but it wasn't until he unknowingly diagnosed himself or unknowingly condemned himself right uh then he realized how sick he was mm -hmm. remember uh read it in in when nathan came to david and, and sprang him the news what was david's reaction and that, that was in, that's in second samuel 12 and starting with verse 5 it says then david's anger was greatly kindled against the man and he said to nathan as the lord lives and the man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, you are the man. You see, it was only then that he realized that he deserved to die. 
because he was able to diagnose himself from an objective point of view. Right, because he had had all this internal, He, in and of himself, he thought that he was doing great. Right. He didn't have a problem. Right. It took something from outside to come and to bring it to his forefront to say, no, what you've done is wrong, right. David. Yeah. And so why did he deserve to die? Not necessarily, I mean, what he did was against the law. Right. But he realized that what he did was sick. Mm-hmm. And that's when he realized he deserved, deserved to die. Yeah, I mean, even Paul, how would he have diagnosed himself prior to his conversion? In fact, we don't even have to guess. He said, he even tells you what he thought of himself and how highly he thought of himself. And he says, though I myself, in, in Philippians 3, 4, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. Remember Jeremiah 17, 5. Cursed is the man who trusts in the flesh. Right. And, and, and Paul says, look at, look at, if anybody could trust in the flesh, it was me. Mm-hmm. Check this out. He says, I have no, I have every reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more, he says. Mm-hmm circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, what's that word? Blameless. You see, he had it going on in regards to the church. And he was from the right bloodline, spoke the right dialect. He said, if anybody could have trusted in the flesh, it was me. And this is what Nicodemus came. He says, man, there's something about this Jesus. He knows he's got the missing link for me. What is it? And Paul says, if I would have diagnosed myself back then, that was my diagnosis. I had it going on. I was a true Christian, but he wasn't. Right. The next verse tells us that he ran into Jesus. Right. And that's and the Jesus key. And Jesus knocked him down, sort, so to key. speak. Right. Yeah. So what, so what are we driving at here? Um, you know, the other, uh, not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, I got sick. You did. And, and I had a runny nose, really stuffy nose. And it was, you know, it, it was one of those that where you just want to shove an ice pick into your eye. You know what I'm saying? She's shaking her head because I've never su- wanted to do that, but that's okay. <laughs> well, when Susan get when Susan gets sick, she just puts her gym clothes on and goes to the gym and runs it off. And me, I was a little bit, you know, under the weather. And she says, well, it, this was on a Sunday. And she goes, well, where are you working tomorrow? I got to go to work in the Bay Area. So when you got to get up? Three o'clock. Okay, well, we'll get you up at three. We'll get you on your way. And I'm thinking, I don't even want to work tomorrow. Okay, so I go to the, get up early, go to the Bay Area, spend 14 hours down there, come back late at night, go right straight to bed. The next morning, I wake up, and she reaches over and feels my forehead, and I'm all sweaty. I mean, like I got a really bad fever. And all of a sudden, she says, oh, you're sick. Oh, no, you need to stay in bed and and, and break this fever. And so I... All of a sudden, now I went from a stuffy nose to being like really sick. But what what kicked it off? What was it? It was the fever. The fever told me that I was really sick, right? right? Now, let's go back to our five most misdiagnosed problems. Number one, aortic dissection. A month before you have one of those, are you going to have a fever? No. No. Cancer. I My doctor friend said some forms of lymphoma have and some forms of cancer, yes, you will get a fever. Clogged arteries, they gonna you gonna have a fever from that? No. Heart attack. Week before you have a heart attack, you gonna have a fever? No. No. Infection. Sometimes yes, some, yes but not always. But not always. Right. Okay. So the key is let's look at a Bible text here in a maybe in a different light, because the fever 
is what tells you you're sick. You want to read the Bible text yes. for us? Revelation 3.15 says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would you that you, Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, you are 98.6. You are lukewarm. You don't know how sick you are. Because he says, either if you were on fire for me, you would know what your condition is. Or if you were cold, at least there would be enough of contrast where I might be able to get your attention. But you are poor, wretched, naked, miserable, blind, but you think you've got it going on. This was the condition of the Pharisees back then, and now he is speaking to the church of this day, the church of Laodicea, the church that he's trying to wake up. Mm -hmm. And he says, you're asleep, and the reason you're asleep is you don't have a temperature. You're lukewarm, so you don't know you're sick. And that's how we get misdiagnosed. When the sharp pain shooting through Lisa Strong's back got worse, she thought it was another kidney stone and expected the discomfort to pass. This time was different. Through a series of mistakes, miscommunications, and misdiagnoses, something terrible happened to Lisa. On September 20, 2003, she was at her job at a mall and could barely walk. She went home, and hours later the pain grew more intense. Her fever, that's right, her fever spiked at 106 degrees. She decided to go to the ER. I told the nurse I had a kidney stone. I had a history of kidney stones, Lisa said. But the stone was never treated, setting off a downward spiral that triggered a life-threatening infection and septic shock that starved her limbs of blood. Her flesh turned black as a line of death crept up her arms and legs. It didn't stop for a month. I figured if I exercised, moved around, I could get the circulation back. But it's like frostbite, she said. My fingers turned black, my toes and the bottoms of my feet turned black, my fingers started to curl, it looked like I had held them in a fire, like they were charred. A month after she went to the hospital, the doctors amputated her legs below the knees. Three days later, her arms below the elbow. You know, in Luke chapter 5, verse 31, it says that they who are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. It's a good thing Lisa had that temperature, and it sent her to the ER. Her fever spiked at 106. Jesus says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, self-righteousness and pride are hard to detect. They emotionally consume someone where you can lose the very capacity to love. Now, you remember in the Bible, in Revelation, Jesus says that it, that he that is holy, let him be holy still. Mm-hmm. He that is just, let him to be just still. But he that is unholy, let him be unholy still. 
and him that is unjust, let him be unjust still. Let's put it this way. He that is holy, stay that way. And he that is unholy, stay that way. It's not like Jesus is all of a sudden going to look at his watch and decide that people are going to stay the way they are. We all make a decision whether to come to the physician or not. And right now is, is the time. time. Today time. is the day of salvation. Right. Um, if we misdiagnose our problem, we will come up with the wrong remedy. If we take our wicked hearts and translate the Bible that way to try to make ourselves look good or try to make ourselves uh, not so such bad people because we're afraid of how we will look or we become self-righteous and prideful because we can as Christians. It's very easy to do. Then we are misdiagnosing our problem because what does Jeremiah say? The heart is deceitful above how many things? All things and desperately sick. And I think the people in Revelation that Jesus finally wakes up and, uh, I mean, just think about it this way. If you're on fire for the Lord, you're, you're on fire. But why? Because you understand your condition and you know you need the Lord. Right. And that's how we know we need the Lord, by understanding our condition, by allowing him to diagnose the problem. And, and then not only that, but we also need to come and to read what his cure is. You know, we don't come up with our own our own remedy. We got to come to the Bible and to so look, what would be the, the cure? First John one nine. Right. If we confess our sins, sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? From all unrighteousness. Right. He wants to make us well. He wants to make us whole. Right. He wants to give us that new heart. He wants to take out that stony heart of flesh and put a new heart a new heart of flesh in us. That's right. How much sense would it make? Uh, for us to go to the doctor, get diagnosed for the right remedy, get the pills that the doctor give us that, that he knows will cure us and that we know will cure us, and then all we drive home, we throw the pills out the window. Right. You see? So when we come to Jesus, when we come to the Bible, and we get our problem diagnosed, the, the remedy is Christ. we got to come to Christ. He says, you study the scriptures, because in them you think you have eternal life, but he says, Those are, they are they which testify of me but you won't come to me in order to have life. We need to come to Jesus. He is the remedy. Right, because, and he'll renew our minds, and and a lot of times he'll renew our bodies, but not necessarily just for a physical healing, but most definitely for the spiritual healing. That's what we need to come to him for and, and understand what his promises are and what our condition is and, and how, and he changes us. He it's does. By beholding I, him, we can become changed. And I don't know how it works, but it does work. And the Bible tells us it's going to work. We can be healed, but we need to come Him, come to him and let him diagnose us, and then we will have the right remedy. Um, you know, we want to thank everybody for the phone calls and the encouragement. And the and, emails. And the emails and everything and the support. Um, and we want to give our website site once again before we close and it's www.justasiamministries.com and you can also reach us at 916-645-1297 and I think I got that right correct yeah and just thank you so much for the encouragement Um, and what we've been talking about today uh, is not to bring anybody down or anything like that but what we've been talking about today is very very important uh, and that's called Christian growth and sometimes growth hurts And sometimes cutting cancer out hurts. 
and things hurt in order to get well. You just can't go get well and not have it hurt a little bit. Mm -hmm. And sometimes a diagnosis that you get from the doctor is not the one you want. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it just hurts just to hear that. Um, I know I've gone to the doctor many a times totally, totally scared because of, I'm afraid of what I might have or what he might tell me. But it's always good to know what you have so that there's, cause there's because there's a solution. Because then you can deal with it. That's if right. you don't know what you have, like the Pharisees didn't know what they had, there was no way Jesus could help them. He says, I didn't come to help the righteous. They won't let me help them. I came to call sinners to repentance. And so that's what he did. He went to people like you and me, mm-hmm. and he helped people like you and me. And it drove the self-righteous people up the wall, which was very, I mean, you can almost want to say it's kind of, I don't want to say it's comical, but you can imagine the spiritual warfare going on there. And as we close today, folks, we would like you to keep in mind that there is a difference between having emotions and your emotions having you. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity, overrun with the devastation of addiction and unmanaged emotions. Rich and Susan are living testimonials, and they've created this seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction and unmanaged emotions, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to www.justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.